Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we are going to be talking to Suzette D. Harrison and her newest book, The Dust Bowl Orphans. Let me tell you, this book is a heart-wrenching, historically accurate, full-of-punch story that you are not going to want to miss. When I read this story, I went in completely blind. I did not want to read the blurb or anything. When I saw the cover, I was immediately intrigued, really glad that we connected via Angela Anderson. Pick up your copy of The Dust Bowl Orphans today on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. It's already gotten rave reviews, and you are not going to want to miss why this book is so very, very good. But before we bring Suzette onto the show, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and find out what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. My newest release, A Match for Bernadette, is out there, so make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Suzette Harrison. Suzette? How are you doing today? Good morning, Ms. Parker. I'm wonderful. Greetings to you and your lovely audience, and thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. And thank you so much for being willing to take time out of your busy schedule to be with me. I've been wanting to have you on my show for some time, and because of that, you're here like a dream come true. I cannot wait to delve into the Dust Bowl Orphans. But before I do that, i got to know more about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. And it's an honor to be here. I'm delighted to finally get a chance to sit down with you as well. I am Suzette. I live on the West Coast, born and raised. I'm a third-generation Californian, wife of a university professor, mother of two college students. I love to read, not just write. I'm an avid reader and a a side hustler kind of crafter (laughs) and baker and all of those good. I I like playing and dabbling in arts. So I, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be creative and I'm very appreciative of the gift. This is a question I ask off and on to my guests. Do you think writers are born or are they bred? That's a wonderful question. So nurture versus nature. You can have, yeah, you can have inclinations for any kind of gift, but it still requires your active participation and and your doing that gift, you know, to bring it to full fruition and so that it can thrive and um, not nearly survive. And, you know, I mentioned different things that I like to do, crafting. I've, I've had my hands in many different kinds of artistic pots, but the writing is the one that I come back to again and again, and it's the one that I give 
my most um, attention and time to my energy and my love. So I, I think you still, you do have to nurture any kind of interest that you have, even if it's a natural inclination. I sing, but if I don't nurture that voice, you know, there's nothing going to come out of my mouth that sounds worthwhile. So I do believe you have to foster any kind of gift that you do have. You have, and you know, it's kind of like the Bible says, you can't hide your talents and put your light under a bushel. You have to let it shine. So it's the same kind of principle. You have to give active love, time, and energy to whatever it is that you have been designed to do or desires. When was that moment where you said, I am going to be a writer, and these are the steps I'm going to take to make that happen? My earliest memory is writing. I remember standing between my mother's legs and, she, and my mother teaching me how to write my name before I even went to preschool. I started writing poetry and, you know, sentimental kinds of cards when I was in kindergarten. And I wrote poetry all through college. And I actually thought that that was going to be my journey and my destination, the place I would land. I was going to be a published poet. But life uh, switched on me. And I remember just going through some things in life. And I just needed something to help clarify what I was going through and help me get through, you know, prayer. and, And the Bible was not breaking through whatever that cloud was. So I turned to a book that I read in my teenage year, years, and that was I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Dr. Maya Angelou. And when I finished Parker, I am not talking figuratively. I mean, literally, the thing that I had been dealing with that I could not break through, when I finished that book and closed the cover, immediately it broke, and the light was able to penetrate my life again. And I was floored by that experience. And I just remember saying, if this is the power of words, this is what I want to do. I want to write. And of course, Dr. Angelou's book was autobiographical, but it turned my attention to writing longer narratives and not just poetry. I immediately got up, Parker, and went to my little apartment office room at that time, my um, bedroom that I used at his office, and I started writing my first romance. And this was back in the early 90s. And this was before, you know, Black Love and even black novels were widespread. And because of that fact, my, um, that novel was actually a interracial novel. And I was like, there's nowhere to market this. There's nowhere to sell it. I didn't have the internet as my access to what we do today where I could do research. And I did nothing with that novel. It's never been published. I don't even know where it is. But the point being, that experience turned me towards writing fiction And then shortly thereafter, in 2002, my first novel was published. What's exciting about listening to your story is the fact that you said the power of words. And I've often said this, the more I get better at this thing called being a writer, our words are powerful, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual as well. And you never know how your words can affect someone's day. That's why I always encourage people on the show that if God has given you the gift to write, pick up the pen and write, you never know who needs to hear your story. And I like when authors share those experiences because when they, when our listeners listen, they can say, oh, that was my story too. And I read Dr. Angelo's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sing, and it's a powerful narrative of her life. And you think, how does this woman who's so prolific, articulate, creative, artistic. How does she go from where she is now to where she was then to now? And she shares that story. That's the power of words. And so I hope our listeners 
are getting the idea about how powerful our words are. What's unique about this tale for some readers is the dual perspective. It takes place in the present and in the past. And that dual perspective, in my opinion, adds a lot of depth to the story because you're not just telling a story. I also believe you're telling a message to the reader. And the message I think you're telling is that past does affect the future. And before we get into the meat and bones of your story, let's go back into what made you want to write this story in the first place. The uh, dedication, I think, touches on that. The dedication to my grandparents, my great-grandparents, excuse me. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather, is actually born, was born in the town that we read about in the Deathful Orphan, excuse me, a little town called Wellston, Oklahoma. And this is not my family's story, but it does resonate and have some similarities in that my grandfather and uh, his parents and siblings were forced out of Oklahoma around this time and uh, had to flee to California. Circumstances were different, but still had that same kind of flight-like journey that we see that faith. So in all honesty, for me, Parker, this is a love song, a love note to my great-grandparents for surviving, for leaving a place that no longer benefited them and taking a risk and being brave enough to travel cross-country. We're talking before GPS. We're talking back when we had the green books because we didn't know where safe places were for African-Americans to stop. We're talking back in a time of segregation where we could not go to restaurants, certain restaurants, and we could not, you know, just check into a hotel. And, but yet we had to make migration and we had to journey different places. So this is my ode to my grandparents, my great grandparents, and for having that courage to bring us to California. Why do you think stories that highlight the struggles of various minority groups are important? We've been left out of the narrative, and even the character, one of the characters in the Decibel talks about this, how we have been left out of the narratives for so long. We've been marginalized and sidelined, and we're just like a you know, side piece in, in history. We barely get the mention or the notice or the recognition, and then we come, we ourselves sometimes don't I think our stories have value because we're not at center stage or we're not part of the dominant or the mainstream. I remember when I was uh, a child in school, I remember reading, we had a history or social studies book called, I think it was Trade Winds, and it was a whole series, each grade it progressed. And there might have been one sentence about African Americans, and of course it had to do with slavery. How do you teach a whole body of work and certain people only get one sentence, you know, so it's important that our stories are told. And even when I was doing research on the Dust Bowl orphans, Parker, I remember looking through photographs from the Dust Bowl era where we depicted absolutely not. Again, marginalized, whitewashed, pushed to the side. And our stories have just as much power as anyone else's. Our stories deserve just as much light as anyone else's. Our stories deserve to be told and our children and our, our legacy deserve and need to know where we came from, not just a point in slavery. Everything for African-Americans doesn't start at slavery, doesn't end at slavery. We were before and we are here now and we have so many varied stories and so many varied voices and not one of them is without significance. 
one of the things that the Dust Bowl Orphans highlights is the disparities, but it also highlights the strength that is needed during this time. And that strength, like you said, this is before all the modern conveniences of the digital age. And you have these two young girls lost. So let's go ahead and without giving away too many spoilers, tell us what the Dust Bowl Orphans are about. So as you said, we have this family, the Wilson family. They live in Wilson, a tiny, tiny town in Wilson, Oklahoma. And the Dust Bowl, um, most of us may be familiar with that era simply because of John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath. But this is told from our perspective. So we have this family that is leaving Oklahoma, migrating to California on the cusp of a, a family tragedy. And so they're, you know, walking towards to meet up with other families to migrate safely in numbers to California. And this dust bowl storm rolls in and they're called black blizzards. And these black blizzards, we're not talking about a little bit of sand out of my eye or a little bit of dust storm. We're talking that these black blizzards were so ferocious that when they ended, sometimes the dust, the soil would be piled up to the roof or the windows of a house, of a home. We're talking, you know, livestock being slain or, you know, dying because of a result of these uh, black blizzards. Excuse me. We're talking your, the produce, the, the farming being decimated. Um, and there were times where these black blizzards would be so ferocious that the, it could be daytime and all of a sudden the sky is black. It's like night and you can't move and you're congested, et cetera. So this is what our young protagonists are faced with as they're traveling and this storm rolls in and it's actually um, on a very pivotal date in history on April 14, 1935, where it was the worst dust storm in U.S. history during this uh, the Black Blizzard and Dust Bowl era. And our two protagonists, they're under the age of 16, and they get separated from their family. I don't know about you, Parker. I cannot imagine being that age, being out on the road by myself with my baby sister, having this storm of all storms roll in, and all of a sudden my, my parents aren't there. I can't see them, and we're separated. And now we have to find safety. And we have to, you know, scurry to, to survive. So that's where the story begins. And we see this, the family travel, the two young girls, Faith and Hope, and their travel to California and their persistence in trying to reconnect with and find their families again. Now, some people talk about the present. It seems not to have anything to do with what's going on in the past. And I love that you said that because sometimes we think that we're just here by ourselves. We just got here, our strengths, our struggles. Oh, you know, I'm just here. No, I need the ancestors. We're still here with you. Spirit is still here with you. History is still with you. So the dual uh, timeline story, the uh, current or contemporary, excuse me, contemporary character, she finds a picture. And in this picture, she basically is herself. Uh, Zoe Edwards, and she sees, and she's like, who, but it's a picture from the past. It's a picture from this Dust Bowl era, and she is perturbed. Who is this? They have my faith. So she begins a journey of searching, um, and searching, she connects. I won't say how, let the reader find out, but she connects and finds that she is connected to faith. So that's what stresses or pushes and inspires Zoe's journey is to find out 
Is this person related to me? How are they related to me? Why are they in my life now? So it inspires her to move forward, even in some bitter circumstances of her own. She's having problems with her spouse, you know, for example. There are some other health issues that she has faced. And so this journey of discovery is not just for the past, but it's also to help Zoe move forward into her future. One thing that resonates with me is the connection to the past. And most of my listeners know I lost my grandmother back in November. And it's been a very hard thing to deal with very, very hard because she was part of my life for as long as I've been alive. You know, Suzette, you mentioned about writing and your being between your mom's legs and she teaching you how to write your name. In the same way, my grandmother taught me how to read and to write. And I was always excelling in my classes when I was in elementary and middle school because she taught me everything I knew. And I resonate with that. And just having that connection to the past is vital to understand who we are as people and then how we can go forward in the future. So those are just some of the themes that are explored in the Dust Bowl Orphans, which is available to you on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. Now, Suzette, I know our listeners are just titillated by some of the things that you said. So what I want to do, I'm going to go ahead and mute myself, and I would love for you to read just a quick excerpt from the Dust Bowl Orphans. Go ahead and find that section, and I'm going to go ahead and let you read that section. Make sure, go ahead and, um, you know, set it up for us so you know what's happening. So I'm going to mute myself now. Yes, ma'am. So we're at the beginning of the story. We're in the prologue, so though we don't have too many spoilers, we already know there's a black blizzard coming and something's happening and Faith's family is on the move. They're traveling to California. So here's the point in time where Faith and her baby sister, who's five years old, Hope, they're traveling. Their parents are, they can see their parents ahead of them in the distance and their brother in the distance. They're just separated because Baby girl is playing around. She's skipping. She doesn't understand the magnitude of the family's crisis. She doesn't understand the magnitude of the loss the family has experienced. So she's doing what any five-year-old would do, skipping, collecting rocks, et cetera. But now faith is beginning to sense something is wrong in the atmosphere. I opened my mouth to command Hope's return, but words took a back seat as something eerie skittered down my spine and left me shivering. I tried to shake it off only to notice the sky. It was absent of rain clouds, yet steadily darkening. My ears caught the sound of a low, deep wind, like how Papa hummed when working the fields. Suddenly, it was the only sound, as if creation had bowed to its symphony. That's when I knew a black blizzard was coming. I glanced over my shoulder slowly and hesitantly, as if something inside since the magnitude of the monstrosity and meant to spare my soul from the terrorizing reality. Terror is too tender a word. Horror is too pretty. If I had the ability to descend into Hades and come back again, that evil voyage would never inspire an accurate description of the wall of black swirling dust rampaging in the not-too-distant Northeast. And that's just an excerpt from The Dust Bowl Orphans, which you can pick up on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead, love on my sister, and get your copy today. Now, if you go online, when you look at this book online, you can tell it's gotten rave reviews. 
But I'm pretty sure, Suzette, that you have received some personal messages from readers who have been just blessed by your work. So go ahead, just share one or two of what those readers' responses have been. That's hilarious that you say that because yesterday I received a, an email from someone, I'll just call her by her last name, Ms. Clark, and she was so sweet to send this very lengthy email of how the uh, book touched her, inspired her, even made her remember some things from her own youth. And so, you know, what I love, Parker, is when a book resonates with readers, when a story, even if it's not their story per se, but there's something in there that captivates them and reminds them of a precious memory or something in their own history. Those are just like, to me, priceless. I've had, um, you know, read what I love too, Parker, I've had readers reach out and they may not have read anything about the Dust Bowl or, excuse me, I did not know the impact of the Dust Bowl on African-Americans. That's what I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of. I know about the Dust Bowl. I read Grapes of Wrath. I never stopped to consider how it impacted people of color and specifically African-Americans. So that's always rewarding is when you're able to share something that's eye-opening or that just prompts us to think in different ways and perhaps we have thought before or to consider different people that we may not have considered before. The stories have been out of the narrative for so long. And so people are invigorated when they learn something new. I know for myself, I knew about the Great Depression as it related to African-Americans because of my granny, but she was in the city. She wasn't in a rural area. And so to have that information in a narrative, in a fictional way, to share that story was absolutely phenomenal. I learned a lot in this story. And then there are some tragedies that happened, but life is full of that. But there's also some triumphs, too. And all this is interwoven in this narrative called The Dust Bowl Orphans, available again on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Now, in the few moments we have left, I would love to know, what are some of the next projects you're working on? I literally just put the period on the next book that's coming out. Can't mention the name because a publisher has not, you know, released it yet, so I have to keep my lips shut. But my next book will also be another dual timeline or multi-generational story in that we will have a historical figure and a contemporary figure. I like to think of them like uh, trains running on parallel tracks that at some point in time intersect and connect. So this book will come out in September, and it deals with an enslaved woman, and she was actually a real person, and she was enslaved by one of our presidents, but it was not Thomas Jefferson. It is not Sally Hemings, because that's where most people's thoughts go when, I, when we talk about this. But we're going to read about someone who was enslaved in the house of one of our presidents. Fascinating. Can't wait to see when that comes out. And I bet you the cover art is going to be absolutely scrumptious because we all know a great cover is what draws us to a book, just like with the Dust Bowl orphans just draws you to the book, that forlorn, heart-wrenching, provocative cover that just really drew me in. I wanted to know more about these, these orphans, obviously. In the last few moments we have left, I always encourage our guests to encourage our aspiring authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. Go ahead and encourage our authors out there today. 
I said earlier that there are many voices in the world and not one is without significance. If you have a gift and you know that it's a gift from God, you have an obligation to yourself and to others to share that gift and not be one who buries it in sand or in the earth where it cannot have light and it cannot survive and it cannot thrive. Be encouraged. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be a perfectionist. You can grow. This is a growing journey. And Parker would tell you she's probably can look back on her old books and see differences in the way she writes now. It's a journey. You don't have to come to the table knowing everything and being, in your mind, a perfect author or providing a perfect narrative. Uh, or, you know, it could be fiction, it could be nonfiction. So all I would say to you is be encouraged and bold enough to do the thing that is in your heart to do and allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to get the tools that you need, connect with the author who can inspire and or mentor you if possible, read up on how to structure your narratives and how to write. There's plenty of resources and tools But bottom line is don't be your own worst enemy and not do. Don't do like I did way back when, wrote a book and did nothing with it. Allow yourself the boldness to come into the light, to step to the podium and let your voice be heard. Suzette, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. And I really appreciate having you. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. I'm honored. I'm thankful. I appreciate you so much for having me here and for sharing your time and your energy with me. Deep bow of gratitude. And we were talking today to Suzette Harrison. She is the author of the book, The Dustful Orphans, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. I was just invigorated by what she talked about today. Love the way how she mixed the historical aspects, and then making sure that others who have stories within the wider frame of mankind's narrative to be told, like how she encouraged us who are aspiring authors to tell our story, write those words. You can nurture any gift that God gave you. All you have to do is do it. So go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.